Well, it seems to me that uh, we have an awful lot to be thankful for this morning. Um, I've heard the word sung and maybe said, hallelujah. Can anybody repeat that with me? Hallelujah. hallelujah. The Lord is risen. Indeed, indeed. I was really moved by the music this morning. That uh, husband-wife duet right at the beginning, I thought, whoa. I was sitting right down there, of course, <laughs> and it was kind of blowing right by me, but uh, it's like, it's not just the music. It's not even the words although obviously that's important. It's the husband and wife doing this together. And that is so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. And I compliment you on that. We've really had a great morning. Uh, Robert put together, I think, a really neat, meaningful sunrise service. Driving over here this morning, my wife said to me, well, I'm glad they didn't start at six. <laughs> Amen. There you go. Amen. Yes. Uh, there, a little bit of light there by seven o'clock, and it was fine. And we had a very relaxing breakfast. Uh, I was relaxed. I uh, had my bathrobe that I could. Uh, uh, you allowed me to have. I was kind of disappointed. Some of you didn't wear your bathrobes, but nevertheless, uh, it was fun. I think we ought to thank our cooks. You know, they, they provided really a very, yeah, there you go. Very good. Very good. I'm just hoping they'll do it next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now you probably know, or maybe you don't know, that um, special days like Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, etc. Uh, special days are especially hard for preachers because uh, everybody knows what you're going to say. <laughs> and part of the um, power of preaching is the element of surprise. And special days take away that element of surprise. Everybody knows you're going to say something on Easter about the resurrection. And so, so there's a a certain difficulty that, that comes to, to the preacher on, on special days. And I have, I have discovered that when you talk about the resurrection, probably the best thing to do is just let the resurrection speak for itself. That is, not, not try to add to it, uh, not try to uh, pretend various things, but just let the story tell itself. And that in itself is a, is a marvelous message. I couldn't help but notice this morning in the, in the uh, sunrise service that as they chose different passages of scripture about the resurrected Christ, they did not choose the one that I was going to use in this service. And I wasn't sure if that was deliberate or uh, planned or whatever, but I was relieved. I thought, okay, they, they did not steal my thunder here by, by reading that particular passage. 
You see, we believe in the resurrection. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ physically came right out of that grave on the third day. And that is our hope. But part of the reason we believe that is because that resurrected Christ appeared to people after his resurrection. And they weren't expecting it. As a matter of fact, they were, they were shocked, they were stunned. Or as Robert pointed out this morning, there was a lot of fear to meet someone who had come back from the dead. And even our Lord's followers, even, even those disciples to whom he said on three different occasions, you know, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be turned over to my enemies and they're going to crucify me. And the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. It was like, whoo, they never quite got it. And when it actually happened, it was like, oh, no, this, this is too good to be true. It just can't be true. And so over a period of some 40 days after the resurrection, our Lord appeared. He appeared on 16 or 17 different occasions, different groups, different times, even some unbelievers. And I like the way Luke says it when, when he writes, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. <laughs> and those appearances taken together convince us <laughs> he's really alive. He's really alive. And so this morning, I'd like to take you to one of those appearances where our Lord showed himself alive to some very unsuspecting <laughs> followers of his. I take you to Luke 24, beginning at verse 13, this beautiful story of the walk on the road to Emmaus, about seven miles from from Jerusalem. I guess what I should like to point out to you is that our Lord used this occasion not just to show that he was really alive, but also to minister to some very discouraged people. These two disciples, we only know the name of one, Cleopas, we're not sure if they're two men, a man and his wife. We, we don't know a whole lot about these folks, except we do know that they were very down. They were blown away by the events of the weekend. Have you ever been down? What a dumb question. These people had fixed their hopes on Jesus. As far as they were concerned, he was the Messiah. He was the end-all, cure-all. It was all going to be super and wonderful. 
And all of a sudden on that Friday, as he is crucified there outside the city of Jerusalem, their hopes were dashed. And they were as sad and discouraged as they could be. And as we read the story here in a moment, we'll find out not only were they discouraged by this tremendous disappointment, but they were also confused. The story we're about to read is, uh, it happens on that Sunday afternoon. Our Lord rose from the dead early on Sunday morning. Now we're into Sunday afternoon. And these, fellow, these folks are confused because some ladies had been out to the tomb and reported not only that his body was missing, but uh, they had seen some angels and they thought he was alive. <laughs> and as they said, as we shall see, we didn't see him. They didn't know what to believe. <laughs> and into that scene of discouragement and confusion strides the Lord himself. They just didn't know it was the Lord till the very end. Now, I believe that when you read a story, you, you don't have to outline it. You just enjoy the story. <laughs> and so I'm going to, when I, by the way, when I say story, I'm not talking about myth or something that didn't really happen. We're talking about true history here. But I like, kind of like the word story. It's, it's a beautiful kind of literature, really. So I'm going to read the story. <laughs> but I will insert a few comments along the way. Luke 24 and verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. That's what I meant, my friends, when I said these folks were discouraged. They were down in the dumps. <laughs> Their hopes had been dashed on the rocks of Golgotha. And they just, they just couldn't get over it. Verse 18, then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? 
if, if there were ever a leading question, <laughs> uh, and of course it, it's it's all, it is you kind of chuckled and, and and rightly so, because if there was anyone who knew what had happened in the last few days in Jerusalem, they were looking at him, they were talking to him. He was right in the center of it all. He was the cause of it all. <laughs> it's like. They were, as hell as they were saying to him, where have you been? Obviously, they didn't know who he was at this point. <laughs> wow. What things? <laughs> they said to him, Con concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. Don't let those words be lost on you. We had hoped. All of our hopes are gone. We had pinned all of our future on him. And it's all over. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And now here comes the confusion. <laughs> yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they, even seen a, they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And you could add right in there, and we are so confused. <laughs> we don't know who to believe. We don't know what to believe. We just can't believe that this happened. Uh, the next verse. He said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, <coughs> to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. May I just read that verse again? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The whole Old Testament Wow. A little later on, as we shall read, the, these two people said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us? And, 
and somebody called it uh, Heartburn Bible College <laughs> as he taught them as they walked this road to Emmaus, as he taught them the Old Testament and how it testified to himself. Wow. I would like to have heard that lecture. I'd like to have been walking along with them and taking some notes if possible. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, <clears throat> but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. <clears throat> so he went in to stay with them. While he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? They arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and, and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I'm tempted to call these two, at the beginning of the story, two sad bananas. They were sad sex. They were down in the dumps. They, they were down. But after this encounter, they have enough energy to get up from that dinner table in the evening and walk the seven miles back to Jerusalem. And they are energized. They are alive with energy and excitement. And as they walk in that door, about to tell their story, the other one comes the other way. J Jesus is really alive. Oh, we just saw him. We just ate with him. And all of a sudden, everything is different. Because Jesus is alive. <clears throat> That's our story. That's the living Christ. And as I mentioned a moment ago, he, he doesn't just do this in order to prove to people he's alive. <laughs> although he accomplishes that. But he's also after this whole notion of meeting people's needs. And these two folks were very needy. As I've indicated a couple times now, they were discouraged. I don't want to depress you. <laughs> But my mind thinks about all the things that can cause us to be discouraged. 
All I have to do is turn on the news and listen to the news of what's going on in our country and around the world. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry I even turned it on. Sometimes it's people. Uh, and we don't, we don't say this out loud very Well, we probably shouldn't say it out loud, but sometimes it's kind of like, you know, that wife of mine, she really gets me down. Or that husband, if he just understood a little bit more. Or my kids, you know, they bug me. Maybe it's work. But we have to go to work. Have to be with those people. I'm just tired of it. Or to be very honest with you, uh, the whole notion of death. I assisted in the funeral this week of uh, Dr. Robert Gramacki, <clears throat> uh, a, a great mentor and friend to me over the years. And you just think about death and what it, what it does and the pain that it brings and the disappointment that it brings. That's what I mean when I say I don't want to mention too many things and get you depressed. But, but the true truth is it's easy for us to be up in a service like this and down the rest of the day and into the week. But you see, the Lord Jesus Christ is actually alive. And he wants to minister to your discouraged heart. And the same, the same person who was alive and ministered to these folks in the Bible that person is still alive and able to minister to our discouragements. And the question that comes to me this morning is, how do you do How does he do that? If he's really alive, then, then I should think he would actually be able to do that. But how, how does the living Christ kind of somehow break in and get through to us and lift our spirit so they won't, we don't go through life sad bananas, but we have energy and we have excitement and we have hope in the living Christ? How does he do that? Well, I think there are hints in this story. You'll notice the first thing that he did to these men, I'm going to call them men, two men, not sure of that. But the first thing he does to them is to open their mouths. Did you notice that? They're discussing the woes of the weekend. <laughs> And he joins them in their walk and he asks a couple of leading questions. What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? 
And then that beautiful leading question, what things? <laughs> it's as though, it's not just as though, it, 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 what's going on here is the Lord is saying to them, talk to me. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me why you are so down. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid to open up your heart and your mouth and share with me your feelings of discouragement. Sometimes when I am discouraged, to be perfectly honest about it, I don't want to talk to anybody. When I am discouraged, I don't want to see anybody. Just leave me alone. Thank you. I am having a pity party and I enjoy it. Sometimes I try to get my wife to come to my party. She won't come. You see, the living Christ says to us, first of all, <clears throat> open your mouth and talk to me. We call it prayer. <laughs> prayer. And sometimes when we are down and discouraged and blue and hopeless, one of the hardest things we could ever do is open our mouth and start talking to the Lord. <laughs> but that's where it starts. There's an old song, I'll try to quote part of it. <clears throat> Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. There's no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. That's biblical. Rather than clam up, rather than pretend there's nothing really wrong, Better to, to be honest with you, get alone with the living Christ and pour out to him your woes and your sorrows and your disappointments and your frustrations. Open your mouth. You will not knock him off the throne. He can handle it. There's a sense in which he knows anyway. <laughs> but he wants us to admit to ourselves and before him, just as he did with these men. You know, what the, tell me, what, what, hap, what, what, what are you so upset about? He opens our mouths in prayer. <clears throat> You'll notice as the story progresses, as they open their mouth and begin to spill their woes, <clears throat> next he opens their mind. Did you notice that? He opens their mind. 
verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Something happens when you start praying and laying your woes out to the Lord. He, the living Christ, begins to remind you of the scripture. You, you need to believe this, he says. You need to understand something. And there, there is something beautiful <clears throat> about the scripture and the, the stability and the firmness and the light and the, the, the joy that knowing the scriptures And so when you begin to pray, it's not very long, you will notice, it's not very long you begin to remember some scripture. Rather scripture that you have memorized even as a kid, or scripture that you have heard recently perhaps in a sermon, or in your own devotions, you begin to remember something from the Bible. And there is something that begins to change in your spirit as you think about Scripture. Now, the challenge here that he delivered to them uh, was not simply that they know the Scripture, but beyond that, that they believe the Scripture. <laughs> don't, don't be so dull. Don't be so slow. I want you to know what the scripture says, but I also want you to believe it. You see, the living Christ begins by opening our mouths, and then he continues by opening our minds to the scripture and what it says. Again, going back to the service this morning, Robert reminded us that one of the principal fears alluded to in the resurrection accounts is that emotion of fear. <laughs> fear. And when he said that, it reminded me of another little thought I've had about fear, picked up from someone else, I'm sure. That, that, the Bible says on 365 occasions, fear not. Fear not. Just think, one for, one for every day of the year. <laughs> Just so happens. <laughs> fear not. That's what I mean when I say the Lord reminds us of his word and lifts and changes the tone of our thinking and of our spirit. He opens our mouths in prayer. He opens our mind to his word, the scripture. 
But you know the end of the story. I should point it out to you in this particular verse. Verse 32, they said to each other, <clears throat> well, I want to back up there. Verse 30, I'm sorry. When he was at table with them, he broke the bread and he blessed. He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. <clears throat> and their eyes were open and they recognized him. You see, the living Christ opens our mouths, then he opens our minds, and then he opens our eyes. The, these people saw him alive, and the moment they saw him, boom, he was gone. It vanished. There was an instant in which they saw the living Christ and in that instant, they were energized. It was like, whoo-hoo, we are out of here. We got to go back to Jerusalem. Whoo! He's live. We saw him. Wow. Now, I'm not about to suggest that you are going to see visually, physically, the living Christ. We will see him someday. We shall see him just as he is. <laughs> we all. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. But I am going to suggest to you that the living Christ, to lift our sagging spirits, will not only open our mouths in prayer, and he will not only open our minds to his word, but he will open our eyes to his presence. And we will sense the very presence of God with us. Now, I'm not going to be spooky here. But I am telling you the truth. That our Lord will give us what I call a token of his presence with us. I have a long story I could tell you. I don't think I want to do that. And you probably don't want me to do that either. Just this week, I was uh, talking to different people. And they didn't know what I was going to preach. I think I did by then. But, uh, but they were just telling me about their experience. One was a preacher with laryngitis. No voice, zero voice. He was in Georgia to perform the wedding of his granddaughter. No voice. Right up to the wedding event. Right up to the reading of the scripture before he was supposed to lead them in their vows. Right up to that edge, no voice. But when it came time to do those vows, voice. And when that was done, no voice. <laughs> and his testimony was, it was the Lord. <laughs> 
The Lord was there in his presence and he answered my prayer and he provided. Uh, that happened to me, I think it was on Thursday. Friday, I'm talking to a, a totally different person, totally different situation. A widow <clears throat> lost her husband back in uh, December. And, and talking about all the learning and all the trauma, you know, all the change. Because, you know, we husbands, we, we tend to do everything and then just kind of expect the wife to catch up in a, a day or so, <laughs> something like that. And, and she was trying to find some papers, you know, the important legal papers. And she had looked in all the files and, and, you know, just could not find those papers. Went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, she heard a voice. And it simply said, the safe. She had forgotten that they had a little safe. And so the next day she opened the safe and there were the papers. And her testimony, I, I didn't pull this out of her. She said, it was the Holy Spirit. Just, I, as, I'm just as sure of it as anything. The Lord spoke to me, the safe. I remember as a teenager walking to church. We lived about a mile away. Two-lane highway. I was walking on the side of the road facing traffic. Traf oncoming traffic was here. I was walking on the edge of the cement. There was a car coming from behind me in the other lane. I could hear him coming. All of a sudden, an impression, a voice, step off the road. And I stepped off that road for no reason, step off the road, and here comes a second car passing him right where I had been. The Lord is alive. And you may face situations, struggles, prayers, and you may be calling out to the Lord, Lord, I, I need your help. We, and all of a sudden, something will happen, something will be said, some impression, some, I call it, token of his presence, and you realize, you know what? Only the Lord himself could have done that. He opens our eyes to his presence. I'll tell you my little story. Try to make it little. October 25th, 1970. It was a beautiful fall day. Clear blue sky. sky uh, leaves were all turning. Beautiful day. Early that morning, early, early, my wife wakes up and says, Dave, my water just broke. We need to go to the hospital. 
It was a Sunday. I was a pastor. Somebody else was going to have to preach. Okay, we had that covered. Off to the hospital we go. <clears throat> Trumbull Memorial Hospital, Warren, Ohio. Just about 11 o'clock that morning, as, Sunday, as our worship service was getting going, here comes my third child, my first son, David. I was so thrilled. I was like, I didn't think I could have a boy. I had two girls, now a boy. <laughs> I, I think I veritably floated out of that hospital that day. I'm not sure I actually touched the ground. Then I remembered, oh yeah, we have a business meeting tonight at church. A business meeting which had been in, um, anticipated for probably six months. I've been trying to talk that deacon and his wife out of it. But they were so upset with me. They, they were sure that I was a liberal preacher and I was sneakily taking our church down, down the road into liberalism. They just knew it because of a particular sermon that I had preached. And we had been going around and around for six months. And finally I said, okay, we'll have a business meeting. You can present your, uh, your upsetness to the congregation. I will defend myself and then we'll just see what the congregation wants to do. October 25th, 1970. The business meeting was set for that evening, 7 o'clock. 6.25 that evening. I'm in my office getting ready for the meeting. <clears throat> Had to preach before. The phone rings. It, it's a, a young lady, a young married woman. She says, Pastor Warren, yeah. I need to get saved. I said, great. She said, I said, let's make an appointment. You know, I can come to your house next Tuesday or Wednesday. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to get saved right now. I said, well, I said, well I'm, I'm in my office and we have a business meeting. And she says, well, I only live a couple of minutes away. Let me come right to the church right now and you can lead me to the Lord. Come on. Five, seven minutes later, she walks in my office at the church. She already knew the gospel, obviously. Uh, and so, I mean, she's on her knees in my office. And I, I think I took her quickly through the Romans road, whatever. And she accepted the Lord right now. Amen. And by 10 to 7, she was gone. <laughs> and I'm, th <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute. What is going on here? I have a, a, a new son born in the morning. I have a sister in Christ born in the evening. This church could throw me out on my ear and I wouldn't feel it. Only the Lord could orchestrate 
that kind of timing. That's what I mean when I say he opens our eyes to his presence. And just as these two showed back up in Jerusalem with all kinds of fervor and energy and a story to tell, so you and I can live with all kinds of energy and fervor with a story to tell because Jesus is alive. And these, these two, I think, could have sung with fervor. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near, because he lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for a living Savior. When we feel down and discouraged and blue, Lord, open our mouths, open our minds, and open our eyes to your reality. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.